Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard. Today we have with us Steve Perlman. He is the creator of Thinking Operator, Thinking Operations inside Critical Thinking Institute. And we are going to be diving in today of why are we not just automatically teaching our kids and our family and ourselves how to do critical thinking and what does that mean and what does that look like? So I've been really excited for this conversation because this is kind of what got me started as a mom of like, how on earth am I supposed to teach my kids to be emotionally healthy, to be confident, to know who they are in any hard situation? So this is going to be an extremely fun conversation. So welcome, Steve, and please introduce yourself. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Steve Perlman. I'm the founder of the Critical Thinking Institute. Awesome. So tell us a little bit first, let's talk about the business, the structure of it, why it came to be, and then we'll dive more into the fine tuning things. So what is Critical Thinking Institute's main mission? Well, our mission is pretty simple. We want to give people direct instruction in what their brain does when it thinks, because that's something that nobody ever receives, unfortunately. It certainly isn't taught in our school system. Uh, parents typically aren't teaching it to their kids because parents don't know exactly what that is for themselves. And there's no reason until now really that they should have because no one had really figured out ways to teach critical thinking the way that we're doing it. And certainly the school system had it. So that's okay that it hadn't really existed before now. Uh, But that's our goal. It's to give people an understanding of what their brain does when they think, how to control that process, Therefore, how to improve their lives and then eventually how to improve the world. And I mean that very sincerely because I think the only way we're going to get to a better world is we can think our way through our problems better individually and also collectively as a society and certainly for our kids who are going to face problems we can't even conceive of yet. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? And we want them to have an easier life than we do in a better world. Uh, The Critical Thinking Institute came about because I was in academia for 30 years in higher education, uh, always with a focus on teaching critical thinking, but, uh, and then was asked by a major university to do something that really hasn't been done. And it's going to sound crazy to your listeners that it hasn't been done, but it really hasn't been done, which is to elevate critical thinking scores across the university in all departments at all levels and so forth. And the sad reality is, unfortunately, that Our educational institutions, even our elite ones, actually show very, very low critical thinking outcomes for the students, even at even at the college level. Uh, And that's, again, because no one really had devoted themselves to focusing on how do we teach that explicitly? And most of what people thought they were doing to teach it has proven not to work in terms of really (laughs) fostering critical thinking skills. Right. Uh, So I, I, I developed a. The first department in the United States focused exclusively on researching and teaching critical thinking, not just what it is, but how do we teach people how to do it better? And we did elevate the scores across the university. But 
then I was working mostly with educators and teaching other educators how to do this. But I realized something, which was that no matter how many educators I was able to reach, my impact would still be entirely small because of the number of people in the country and the number of people in the world who would never come in contact with those particular educators. It's really only going to be a handful of educators, even if it's thousands of them, right? So I said, well, we got to approach this differently if we really want to have an impact. And uh, and so we founded the Institute and we're launching programming, actually launched programming for adults, for kids, for families to learn critical thinking skills and very different than all the other stuff that's out there. But uh, I am honest when I say my real motivation here is my son, who's 12. And, oh. I, you know, I get a little choked up, but if he's going to live in a better world, then we've all got to learn to think better and get along a little better. Yeah, definitely. And that is a beautiful motivation. Like kids, they are the future of this world of ourselves and having that as our guiding post of like, that is what we want to do. That is what we want to create is a world where they feel more liberated, more capable. So that's amazing. Um, So then let's, let's go a little bit deeper into what critical thinking actually is then. Cause I know for me at the beginning, when I heard people talk about critical thinking and like improving scores or things like that, I kind of got offended of like, are they saying I'm dumb? Are they like, what is, what does this mean? And I've come to realize it's very different and it's so exciting to me, but I want, I want you to have the, the seat to tell us like, what is critical thinking to you and how can people start to realize um, their untapped potential in it? It's a great question. So uh, first of all, let's be really clear about something. And and this is from research. It's not my opinion. There've been studies conducted on this. There's a difference between intellect which might be how intelligent you are or how intelligent your children are. And I'm sure all listeners have wonderfully intelligent children and so forth, right? <laughs> but there's a difference between intelligence that's been identified and critical thinking skills. And what they found is that when it comes to making effective real life decisions, the kind of decisions that move our lives forward the best and keep us out of harm and so forth, critical thinking skills, dedicated explicit critical thinking skills are a much bigger factor of who's going to do that effectively in life than raw intelligence. And and I think that makes perfect sense because it's one thing to be naturally intelligent, but there's a very different thing to actually learn how to use your instrument, learn how to use the brain. Yeah. If you even if you're naturally intelligent to maximize your decision making, to maximize your problem solving, right? So we're not ever taught how to use our own brains most effectively, which is terribly unfortunate. It's really a, a, a crime if you think about it in a lot of ways, uh, but we have really hadn't figured out how to do it yet. Yeah. So um, what critical thinking is, is challenging to define because as people try to throw language at it, they fall into a trap because we can throw lots of words at critical thinking of objectivity or evidence or problem solving or creating ideas or thinking outside the box and so on and so forth. And there are so many words that we can use around critical thinking that ultimately it kind of defeats itself. Hmm. Another way to think about it though is like this. I think critical thinking comes down to two things. And these are sort of explaining what it is, but not explaining the process of how to do it because that I can't do in, in five minutes. But Explaining what it is, think of it this way. Everybody thinks. It's, it is what we do best as a species compared to all the other species on the planet. We think. And if we didn't think well, 
we would have been food because we're certainly not going to outfight the bear or outrun the bear. You know, we would have all been food for something else, uh, but we could outthink them. However, the fact that we think doesn't necessarily mean that we think well. So critical thinking is understanding the natural processes that our brain does in order to think, to keep us alive and help us survive. And then mastering those those natural things that our brains does, understanding what they are and mastering them so as to control that. Because unfortunately, we're often controlled by our brains much more than we are controlling our brains. So that's one way to think about critical thinking. And then the objective of critical thinking, I think, is very simple, actually. Um, the objective is to, in some way, arrive at some kind of better understanding of the world than the one you currently possess. That's it. That's the simple objective, right? If it's to only only know what you already know, if it's only to believe what other people tell you to believe, then it's not thinking. It's in some way for you, for everybody, to be able to transcend whatever we understand right now, whatever paradigm of thought we're in right now, and get into a slightly better one. That is critical thinking. That's the objective of critical thinking. Yeah. Awesome. And you're right. There's such this ambiguity when it comes to how do you describe this? How do you discuss what critical thinking is? So let's like, who are the people that come into your world? What are the things that they are experiencing that would make them want to dive deeper into critical thinking and to mastering their own brain? Well, I think everybody would want to do it, right? I mean, I can't think of anybody. The way I like to phrase it is like this. If there's anybody out there thinking that critical thinking isn't important, they should ask themselves what's making them think that. <laughs> I love it. Right? I mean, what process did their brain go through to arrive at that conclusion? Uh, you know, and are you aware of that process? Because the fact of the matter is, and this is also a misconception, the fact of the matter is that, you know, we don't always think well. People, we feel like we are, but we think emotionally before we think intellectually, all right? We have emotional responses before we have cognitive responses to things. And we're often driven by our biases and our upbringing and our belief systems and so forth. And that's okay, we all have those, right? And that doesn't mean those belief systems are bad. It just means that whatever they are, we are biased by them in certain ways. We're all making certain assumptions about the world all the time. Our brains are doing this behind the scenes without us knowing it for most of us. So what we want to do is understand that we can seize control of that process better. And in doing so, can you think of anything that would help you be a better parent, gain more control of your world, uh, help achieve the goals that you want than being able to think better, right? Yeah. I don't think there's anything that's more universal than the need to think no matter what it is you do in life. Even if it's just that you want a more meaningful or purposeful life, how are you going to get there if you're not thinking your way to that in some yeah. respect, right? So thinking's for everybody. Yeah, I love that. It's it's this crazy phenomenon that we live in right now that everybody is, there's these different levels. If you're in survival mode, um, leveling up your critical thinking might not be your top priority because you're trying to just get through day to day. But as you start to lift yourself up above those uh, clouds, uh, that fog, you start to realize there's a whole new world and we are beings of growth. We want to keep growing, but oftentimes we don't have the blueprint to do that. We don't know what that even looks like. And so 
critical thinking is one of the ways we can do that. We can start to become more aware of our subconscious of what we're thinking, why we're thinking it. And it gives you so much more confidence and fulfillment in just your own way of being able to approach the world instead of having to stay stagnant in all the barriers of all, all the reasons why things won't work out, but you're able to start really elaborating and um, collaborating on all these different ideas of what could be. And that's, I, I love this because critical thinking really is something that takes things to the next level. It helps you, it helps your kids. And I probably talk about it way too much over the dinner table and with my family, because a lot of times my husband's like, okay, but what, what are we going to talk about like right now for today? Not, not what's in our head. So I love, I love critical thinking. So tell us a little bit more then about, um, you started this program because you saw there was this gap in being able to help people realize like the critical thinking the already well-functioning parts of our brain can be elevated in a way that we have more control over our lives. So you went through and you created a bridge from that gap so people can start measuring that, start excelling in that in their own lives. What was it in your life? What did your parents do that allowed you, that gave you the foundation you needed to start even being aware of that? What can parents start being aware of right now that they can do to give their kids the same foundation your parents gave you in order for them to start having that kind of a mindset? Well, I think for my parents, what they gave me were two things. One of which was uh, that I lived in a house where we would have deep discussions, intellectual discussions, and I wasn't marginalized from those discussions because I was a child. Um, and so my opinions, my thoughts were, were valued, not to say that they were always well thought, necessarily. I was a kid, you know, I didn't always have the best comments to make, but nevertheless, I was considered. And that made a big difference. The other thing they gave me, which kind of in an odd way led to this, was they instilled in me a deep respect for learning and for education. Um, but uh, one of the things that I had realized from a very young age was that I, I didn't think the school system of my formal education was doing the things it really should be doing because I was learning a lot of facts and so forth that didn't have an application in my life. And I found that boring. And I said that to my parents and they said, well, you're, you might be right about that, but you know, school's still important and so forth. And, um, but as I became an educator, because I really valued the idea of education and learning and so forth, I mean, how else are we going to create a better world? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I realized that I had to start approaching things differently. And so they moved me in that direction to get into this, but to question what it was I was doing as an educator and start looking at it all differently than the way most of our educational system is structured. And I, and I want to footnote this by saying something that I think is very important. Uh, I support educators. I really hope all of your listeners will support their kids' educators. It is absolutely the case that our educational system has some problems, very big problems. I wrote a whole book about the problems that our educational system has, but I've worked with thousands of educators and almost to that number without exception, they are all so devoted to really wanting to do the best by the kids that they're teaching or the college students that are teaching or whoever they're teaching all of them went into it with a good heart and they all went to it and they're all trying, right? And they're in a system that isn't valuing the right things. 
unfortunately, because we have a system right now that's based on an old Germanic system that's based on the acquisition of information. It's based on the acquisition of knowledge. And that was valuable at a certain point when it started, when all the knowledge about medicine could be taught to somebody uh, and there are only a couple people who knew it and you need to go to one of them to learn it. And they could teach, you know, a room full of people just about everything there was to know about medicine at that time in a short period of time, a year or two or so of lectures. Right. And there weren't a lot of books. So that was a great system at one point because, you know, there was a little bit of knowledge and only a few people had it and we could only pass it on you know, by word of mouth. So that was great. But now we live in an age where knowledge no longer has the same value that it used to because of Google, right? Mm -hmm. We can all get the knowledge. And, and I, would, I would footnote that to say, of course, there are areas of expertise that we have to respect, that we have to understand that we really don't have the knowledge. There are areas of medicine and science and so forth that we don't know as much as the people who are there. And a Google search isn't going to get us there. Yeah. But aside from them, most bodies of knowledge are accessible to us at least. But that's not what's valuable now anymore, right? But it's still what our educational system is based on. When our educational system should be based on is teaching kids to develop new ideas, to solve problems, to innovate, because the knowledge isn't useful as much anymore as the capacity to work with that knowledge. And again, not my opinion. This is something, for example, that I worked with, um, I taught some people at the US Air Force Academy. And uh, what they've said is exactly that. Uh, there was an article published by them about the intelligence service there. And what they said is, we have more information than we've ever had in the history of intelligence. What we lack are the people who know what to do with that intelligence in order to make good decisions that keep us safe as a country, right? So we're being drowned by this information age that we're in. Uh, and we need the thinking skills to pull us out of it. So one thing parents can do that's very simple, and, and I talk about this on my podcast, Parentology, but it's a very simple thing to do, is just ask your children how they got to an idea. So not whether it's right or wrong. Don't worry about whether it's right or wrong. Really, that's not important at all in most circumstances, right? What's much more important to say, what did your brain do to get you there? What was it valuing? What did it value more than something else? Why did you think about this instead of more thinking about that? And that's called metacognition. And what it does is it allows everyone to start being more self-aware of what our brains do when they think. And in, in essence, what we do at the Institute through our programming is really take everyone through a in very in-depth process of understanding what our brains do. But that's an informal way to start to understand what your brains do. And you can do this with kids who are very young. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, when when my son was about four years old, I'm, I'm guesstimating the age, might have been five, something like that. Okay. He, um, my wife had made some cookies, fresh cookies, chocolate chip cookies, she makes delicious chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and they were cooling out on the counter. And my son had been in the, his playroom and he was um, building Lego, which he loves to do and still does it to this day. So, uh, but he, we heard his, and we were in the, the living room and we heard the pitter patter of his feet go into the kitchen and stop and pause. And clearly he saw the cookies on the island in the kitchen. And at that moment, we heard the feet walk away 
into our bathroom where we had a little stool for him to wash his hands at the sink. And we heard the feet come back and we're, we're monitoring all of this as it's happening. We heard this, him put the stool down and he went to get himself a cookie and, and he got himself a cookie obviously and, and went back to his playroom. And then we went and we asked him, well, you know, what was going on with that? Well, clearly what happened was he knew he could have asked us if he could have had a cookie, but he also knew that the answer would have been no at that time. <laughs> he couldn't have had a cookie. So he made a decision. But even at that age, we were able to go and talk to him about it. You know, why did you go? Why did you go get the stool instead of asking us to get it for you? What happened in your head? What were you? Why did you weigh it this way instead of that way? And we were able to start having that conversation with him. And it was at a very, you know, rudimentary level, but that doesn't matter. He started yeah. to become more self-aware of how he thought. And that's something that we're able to continue to do with him all the way to this day. Oh, I love that example. And it's so true. Kids are so capable at such young ages to start, like, really start analyzing what's happening inside of them. And we can be that guiding force for it. I I wanted to add um, one of the stories from my own experience with that. My daughter, our, our oldest, she was um, in first grade, I want to say. Yeah, she was in first grade. And she went to school. And before she was going to school, she was super bubbly, super outgoing, just this tenacity of wanting to get to know people. She is incredible. And when she went to school, her educators, her teachers, amazing people, amazing educators did a fantastic job. But just like you said, um, it's that system of, and it makes sense why there's that system. Like, raise your hand. Don't talk here. You need to do this. Like, it makes sense. There's a room full of kids and one person to guide them all. Like, it makes sense why there is all these rules. Um, But her in that environment it was, uh, she constantly had to think for herself of why she was going to do something. And at home, we were always asking her, oh, why'd you come up with that? Why, like, what made you think that way? Or what made you think? And and it was just a conversation. But when she went there, she had this brilliant idea. They, they were in the bathroom and one of the kids was getting picked on. And so her thought was, well, how do I, how do I help this kid? So she stepped in between that kid and the other kid and just started singing at the top of her lungs. And that was her result of this is how I'm going to help this kid. It's going to blow their mind. They're not going to have any idea what to do with it. And they're going to stop. And so she was super thrilled with her decision-making process because it worked. It got the bullies to step away. The kid felt safe and didn't feel like all eyes were on him. And, but what happened next was the teacher came in and scolded her for being too loud. Like this was a place that needed to be soft. This was a place that needed to not have noise. And, and that added more information for her to continue to make maybe better decisions or a more constructive decision for in the bathroom. I don't know. But the point was, because that is the environment at school, it doesn't provide any kind of chance for kids to be proud of making decisions. Their decisions are already made for them and they have to make sure that they file in line that way. And so this, this concept is so beautiful. Um, I, I witnessed it for myself. We, we actually ended up making the decision to bring our kids home and do homeschool just because of the different dynamics of our family. And it's been incredible because so many of the little finite details that, yeah, they could figure out how to do and you don't need to bring your kids home school to fix everything. But it was incredible because we keep are able to enforce this idea of critical thinking. Why do you think the way that you do? So this is so good, so valuable. I've seen in my if own I could, uh 
if, first of all, I want yeah, to say definitely. your daughter is my hero and that's <laughs> yeah. an amazing story and good for her. Wow. I'm just so impressed by her because I actually teach um, intervention tags. I was a, I it was a sexual assault prevention expert uh, and so forth. And we teach intervening tactics. And what she did was a textbook example of intervening nonviolently and constructively by doing something divergent in the moment. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but I'd like to also tell you, building on that, it, I want to tell you a little story about our children that's, I think, and all of us, really, uh, that I think is disheartening in a way, but encouraging in another respect. <laughs> awesome. So they've done studies on new, I want to, and what I'm going to show you is what kind of a thinking being we are, because we think we reason by nature, we can't help it, we're driven to think. So they've done a study on newborn babies who were just out of the womb. They were still in the hospital, hadn't gone home yet. And what they did was they showed them an iPad. And on the iPad were a number of dots or symbols. And then they also played a number of tones. And the number of tones either matched the number of symbols or did not match the number of symbols. So let's say there were 16 symbols or dots on the iPad and they played a number of tones as well. The newborn babies could tell the difference as to whether or not the number of tones matched the number of dots or not. Okay? Really? They're a couple of hours old, right? Now they could only tell, I want to be fair, they can only tell if there was enough differential between the two so that, you know, they could tell the difference. If there were 16 dots and they played 17 tones, they couldn't tell the difference, right? But, but nevertheless, they could tell the difference. And that's how smart we all are from birth little babies, right? And then by 16 months old, uh, babies can tell the difference as to whether or not someone's telling them the truth. Wow. So we have this amazing ability, but now building off of what you said, right? We take kids, these children who are in these absolutely rich intellectual environments growing up. The house is a rich intellectual environment. They're playing with toys. They're creating ideas. They're learning to socialize. They're dealing with very complex problems. If you think about about it, right? If you're if you're playing a game with another child and you're socializing or with your parents or with a sibling, right? And you're and you're socializing and you're navigating the rules of the game or creating a game and uh, you know playing make-believe or whatever you're doing, that's a very intellectually rich circumstance. Okay. There's all kinds of different parts of the brain firing and learning and doing things at that time. And then if they go to school, a formal school, for the most part, then we sit them down, we tell them to be still, and then we ask them to memorize who is the first president of the United States, for example, right? And that is not intellectually rich. And so we have these wonderful rich brains from birth. And instead of doing things to enhance those brains and really show them, this is how your brain's doing and this is how you can do it better. Instead, we often put them in environments that are suppressive to that. And I think we need to change that because if you think about how rich our brains were and what we could do with them, if they were learned to really use them and maximize their power, then I think we could see what kind of different world we would have right now as a result of that and what kind of different people we could be as a result of that. And even I as have founded the Critical Thinking Institute. I think, wow, if I had really learned all this stuff when I was young, you know, I would love to know what I could have accomplished in my life because it would have been something different. I think it would have been something even better. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it is so true. We are, I I feel like parents in general, I know I did, 
where we just feel like, oh, I have to teach my kid everything. I have to teach them all that they need to know. Well, in truth, they are going to learn. You are not the teacher. You are simply there to help guide them through their own thinking process because they are going to learn it. They're going to figure it out. So I love that. Love that so much. So tell us now, what are you doing as a dad to help pass down these critical thinking methods and ideas to your son in a way that's just natural, where it's not a big, heavy conversation so that other parents listening, they can start implementing it in a way that feels natural for them too. Well, I mean, my son's old enough now where he he rolls his eyes at me when I start to tell him more things about his brain and what it's doing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, he's always appreciated it. And I always give him little tips and tricks here and there as he's you know learning to read or doing things along the way uh, to improve that because I know things that his teachers don't about how he can read and so forth. And, and that's not their fault again, because they're, they're busy teaching and that's the most important work there is. I'm busy being a nerd sitting around reading about, you know, the science and research around neuroscience of teaching and things like that, which they don't have time to do. Um, and we need a lot more people like them than people like me in the world. So that's okay. Right. But, um, you know, there's a little thing called, uh, for example, um, predictive reading, which is very, it's so simple. At the end of every chapter of a book, you encourage your child to write down what's going to happen in the next chapter before they read it. Okay. It forces an entirely different kind of reading process. It activates the brain in different ways because now they have to look for things as they're reading that chapter if they're reading chapter four they have to start look for things when they're reading chapter four that predict what's going to happen in chapter five and then you can all do it you can have a conversation before you all get to chapter five what do you what do you say is going to happen mom what do you say is going to happen dad or other mom or what have you and what do you say is going to happen you know bob and what do you say is going to happen sue and and so on and so forth right so you can really start to have a conversation around that and it makes this much more engaging experience for everyone in the family and the reading becomes a lot better in the process. Cause most of the reading that they do for educational purposes, even in our homeschooling manuals is more based on sight reading than some of these deep reading methods. Now that doesn't take long for anyone to do, right? That's an easy thing anyone can do when they read a book. I, adults can do that when we read books too, right? It doesn't take very long to write down what you think is going to happen and then see if it does or not. And whether it does or not, doesn't matter at all, right? It's just about teaching you to re- the brain to read differently. Yeah. Um, so things like that are very simple things that we can do. But what I realized, and this is, again, what made me found the Critical Thinking Institute. I realized initially when my son was born and growing up at the earlier ages that I didn't know how to communicate everything I knew to him because I'd always been talking to educators and executives about it. And But Einstein said something really interesting. He said, if you don't know something well enough to explain it to children, then you don't know it. Yes. I love (laughs) that. Yeah. And, and he's right. You know, so I said, well, if I don't, if I really know this stuff, then there's no reason I shouldn't be able to explain it to a child. And you can't because, and so that drove me, my son's situation and trying to communicate with him made me realize I have to find a way to communicate this to children on the whole. Uh, and so that transformed my whole thinking about all this in certain respects. And so kids can learn this too, uh, you know, because and in fact, in some ways better than adults, because they don't have a lot of 
preconceived biases about what thinking is and so forth when they're younger. But uh, they can learn this because just like they can learn how to use their arm, right? And they twiddle their fingers and do all things like that. That's part of their body. That's part of who they are. And they can learn to use their arm and throw a ball and do all these things. Well, a brain is part of our body too. And it's doing so we can feel it when our brain does certain things, it starts to get upset, or it starts to be frustrated, or it's really thinking hard about it. we can feel these things happening in our brains, right? Yeah. There's no reason that they can't learn to use their brain as much as they learn to use how to throw a ball, right? It's all natural stuff. So why aren't we teaching them that? Uh, and that's what we focused on doing. It's not, we're not, we're not, what we don't do is just give a few thinking tricks like, uh, you know, how to spot someone that has a flaw in their argument or anything like that. And what we don't do are brain games, which brain games, there's just a, a letter by 70 neuroscientists who who said, please stop claiming that brain games help people with critical thinking because <laughs> yeah. they don't. Okay? Those are fun to do and they can help you in limited ways, but they don't make you make better decisions in life. Yeah. Uh, all these brain games. So what we do is different. We say, this is what is going on in your brain when you think. Become aware of it. We're going to tell you all kinds of things that are happening there. Become aware of it and learn how to use that instrument for your best life. Uh, this is so, so good. And it's so true. One of, like, one of the things that I talk with with parents all the time goes right along with this is sometimes it will come and be like, I'm, I'm frustrated with what my kid is doing. And so we'll talk through it and we'll start going through. And then I will ask them a specific gap that I'll see of like, okay, why, why are you frustrated with this? Or explain this part to me a little bit more. And they start getting frustrated at me. And I start pointing that out of like, okay, just notice, just notice you're frustrated right now, not because of the event or the thing, but because you don't have the words to describe what you want, you don't have the words to yeah. even describe it or say it out loud. So if you can't describe it to a child, if you can't describe it to yourself, your child isn't going to know what you want. So that's right. such a beautiful tradition to start doing. Um, we're just becoming aware of the thinking. But then what you said of predicting the reading, I love that. We are going to start doing that. I already have my kids write down after they read a book, like write down what they retain just to keep building their retention. But I love the predictability reading too. That is so good. So things like this make me so excited for what's coming in the world, the leveling up that we can do and the just immense possibilities that we have as human beings. So thank you, Steve, so much for coming on. If anybody, I know that there are people listening that are resonating with your message. So where can they go to start working with you to start getting your help with their kids to start having these critical thinking conversations and skills in their life? It's so easy. So I have a podcast called Parentology for Parents, where we give little tips like predictive reading uh, every week. And you can go listen to that. That's free and available to you and just download it and start listening in addition to this podcast, of course. Um, and then uh, go to the Critical Thinking Institute. Come visit us there at thectinstitute.com. And you'll see the programming that's available for you at thectinstitute.com. Uh, and there's a program for kids that's uh, kids and teens and really for whole families and adults who like cartoons. And, that's and if you're an, an adult that series. has kids, you're going to have to watch cartoons. It's just what happens. So. It's a fact. <laughs> uh, it's an animated series. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and it really goes into very deep neuroscience and it's driven by a lot of research, but it's it's a lot of fun for the kids to watch it. And what it is, it's just once a week, you're going to get a very short five to 10 minute lesson. Uh, it's a dialogue between a little brain and a little kid 
having conversation and the kids trying to figure out how to think better and the brains and teaching them along the way. And so it's not a lot of screen time. It's about learning a little thing that you can do about the brain and then going practicing it in real life instead of just, you know, studying it abstractly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then you also get, if you're a parent in that program, you also get a little clip from me every week directly to you explaining why we're learning what we're learning that week and how you can help your kid learn it better and be a part of that experience. And by the way, I'll say a lot of the adults love the cartoons more than the kids. Anyway, <laughs> but okay. if you're an adult and you don't love a cartoon or you have older kids, you have teenagers or you have kids in college and so forth, we have the adult program as well, which is where you have to suffer looking at me a little bit more because it's not animated, uh, but it's both programs offer the same thing. And the reason that they're spaced a week apart, all the lessons is this. Again, we're not trying to tell you what critical thinking is. We're trying to build your brain to think better. And building the brain is something that doesn't happen overnight. So instead, we give it a week between the lessons so you can practice and keep building the wiring that you need in your brain to literally think better throughout your life. And so your kids have that wiring for their entire life. So it's not something they forget. It's something that they become. Yeah. And they become thinkers for the rest of their lives. And so that's available at the Critical Thinking Institute, the ctinstitute.com. Come visit us, come check it out and see what it's like for yourself. And uh, I think that it can do so much for so many people. Yeah, love it. Well, thank you so much. And definitely everybody listening, go look at the podcast, look at their Critical Thinking website, go sign up. This is incredible what we can do for our kids right now in this day and age. And we don't have to settle. We don't have to just cross our fingers and hope things will work out when we give them tools like this. They are destined for success because when our brain is able to work for itself, everything works together for us. So thank you so much, Steve. And we will see you all next time. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.